So they get onboarded through Ordinals, but they stay for the fact that it's the most immutable chain, most secure, and there's so many other possibilities it can be used, you know? Welcome back to Beyond the Price, a podcast from CoinPost that goes beyond the flashing numbers to explore how Bitcoin fits into the global economy and how real people and real companies are actually using it, especially in Asia. Last episode, we looked at some key moments from the first 10 shows, so check that out if you missed it. I also included some bonus content from my interviews at the Noster conference. The questions I asked, not because they were about Noster, but because I just couldn't resist when I had all these well-known Bitcoiners in front of me. I have some more interviews lined up later this week that I'm really excited about, but I didn't want to wait that long to upload another episode, so in the meantime, here's another conversation I had a few months ago via Twitter space with a Bitcoin project. The guest is Jan Schmeichel, CSO at Xverse, a wallet that's trying to be a Bitcoin super wallet, the only wallet you need. Of course, there are a bunch of wallets trying to be this, but Xverse is somewhat unique in that they're focusing on ordinals, which are like NFTs, but on Bitcoin rather than on Ethereum or Solana or another blockchain. With ordinal theory, you can inscribe all kinds of data types, for example, JPEG images, directly onto the Bitcoin blockchain and have it recorded forever. This is a breakthrough, but it's also controversial because it's competing for space in the blocks with transactions, making the fees for transactions higher. People who see Bitcoin only as a money rather than a platform for other uses tend to not like this. They see it as a frivolous use of a valuable resource, Bitcoin block space. To be honest, I had some reservations about releasing this conversation. Not so much because ordinals are controversial, but because the Stacks protocol is mentioned quite a bit at the beginning, and Stacks is even more controversial or disliked than ordinals. But it's not a big part of the conversation, so I think I'll just say that although Stacks calls itself a layer 2 for Bitcoin and says that it brings additional functionality, it's kind of questionable how connected to Bitcoin it actually is, and a lot of people I follow seem pretty negative on it. I haven't done the deep dive, though, so I don't want to just regurgitate the opinions of others. I'll just say that although it is mentioned, this is not necessarily an endorsement of Stacks. I think in general, since we're seeing more building on Bitcoin these days, whether it's smart contract platforms like Stacks, digital artifacts like ordinal inscriptions, or tokens like the BRC20s that we mentioned later in this conversation, it's important to ask yourself, Am I getting the same level of security and unstoppability with this layer that I'm getting with the Bitcoin base layer? If not, am I okay with a lower level of security or higher risk of censorship or confiscation for my particular use case? Because it's fine for people to experiment, and not everything needs that level of guarantee. The problem is that a lot of these experiments market themselves as connected to or equivalent to Bitcoin, and that's just not the case. But deeper than that, it's also important to ask, does this project interfere with the most valuable usage of Bitcoin? Some people say that because Bitcoin is just a neutral tool, no kind of usage is any more valuable than any other, but I disagree. Bitcoin is a neutral tool, but human needs are not neutral. Some needs are more important than other needs. Some needs are much more widespread than others. For my part, I think the most valuable use of Bitcoin is separating money and state. That might sound surprising or confusing, but actually it's what this entire podcast is about. Beyond the price. If you go beyond what the price is doing, beyond just trying to make money, just seeing Bitcoin as an investment, what do you find? 
What if it's not just something you buy with a bit of money and hopefully sell for a lot of money? What if it is money? What does that enable? I believe it enables people to have a money that isn't controlled by any government or other small group of people, taking money itself out of the remit of government, separating money and state. If you've been listening to this podcast or you've read books like Check Your Financial Privilege by Alex Gladstein or A Progressive's Case for Bitcoin by Jason Mayer, who I had on, you know the problems that arise from fiat money, or in other words, government-controlled money. It's always easier to print new money to pay for stuff than to raise taxes. In fact, people will always vote for the person who will print money rather than raise taxes. But that money printing debases the currency. It drives persistent inflation. And in fact, it sets up a situation where governments need inflation to keep their massive debts manageable. That inflation keeps the poor down. It widens the gap between rich and poor, between those who have assets that appreciate and those who only have cash that gets debased. Those close to the money printer, like politicians, bankers, and wealthy investors, are rewarded, while those far away, like farmers, small manufacturers, uh, other small businesses, lose their purchasing power. It happens to an extent in every country printing its own currency, and it happens on a global scale with the U.S. printing the dollar, the world's reserve currency. Those far away, whether in the U.S., outside of the power centers, or across the globe, outside of the wealthy world, are increasingly debased. This is bad, but it was also probably inevitable. I just finished Lynn Alden's fantastic book, Broken Money, and one key takeaway from me was that this can all be explained in terms of technological progress. Of course we invented communication at the speed of light before transactions at the speed of light. You can't invent a car before you invent a bicycle because the advanced tech relies on the simpler tech. We can't transact over the internet before we can communicate over the internet. So we had this time lag from when the telegraph was invented, where we could communicate that we wanted to buy or sell something, but we couldn't actually pay for it until the shipment of gold made it across the ocean or, or wherever. So banks started keeping their gold and just issuing paper notes for it and occasionally settling large batches in gold, and those batch settlements became less and less frequent. And the rest is history, but now we do have this technology that replicates the scarcity and other aspects of gold that make it a non-government money, but it's digital. So finally, technology has caught up to itself, and we can start to recreate a world in which everyone plays on a level playing field because no one can print the money out of thin air. I can't say Bitcoin fixes everything, but what I can say is we will never have justice when a few people control the money that everyone has to use. It's tempting to think the solution is to just take control of the money printer and use it for good. And this is basically what political parties try to do every four years or so. But it's the fiat money printing itself that makes the world less fair. We just have to take this power out of government's hands entirely. It's like back when government was also the religious authority. I'm sure a lot of people thought, we just need to have a king or emperor who believes the right things, the right religion. But that never worked. Even if your ruler started out believing exactly the same things as you, inevitably the ruler would change and you'd have to change or be excommunicated in some form. Ultimately, the solution was to enshrine the separation of church and state in law. And I'm proposing, or rather adding my voice to the group of people proposing, that we enshrine separation of money and state. But not just in law, in code. We need something that's essentially impossible to co-opt, but also digital so it can keep up with modern commerce.
<laughs> you know, it's good I started this podcast because before this, I only had my girlfriend to do these rants to, and she didn't have the option of listening on double speed or just turning it off. So I'm sorry if I sound like a revolutionary, but I really think this is the most important, most wide-reaching, most valuable use case for Bitcoin, the separation of money and state. And any other use that diminishes that should be avoided. However, it's also vital that Bitcoin not change willy-nilly like some of these other blockchains, because that undermines its reliability much more than some trivial use case. In fact, Bitcoin is extremely hard to change, and that's the point. So ordinals come along, and a lot of people who care about separating money and state really don't like that their digital gold is being used to record pictures of monkeys and whatever. But ordinals use Bitcoin as it is. They didn't force it to change to allow it. So we should be really careful about making some change to ban that usage just because we may not like it. The other fact is that Bitcoin needs fees to increase at some point to continue rewarding miners as the block rewards decrease over time. Eventually, miners will only be rewarded with transaction fees, so these fees need to be large enough to keep miners mining and securing the network. That's a long-term consideration, it's not an immediate problem, but it does need to be addressed at some point, and there's no denying that ordinals are driving up fees because they're another source of demand for block space. So, many argue that ordinals are good for Bitcoin. The final thing to consider is that none of this works if Bitcoin can be broken. If it can be broken, it will be broken, so better for it to be tested now in every way rather than later. If ordinals can break Bitcoin, Bitcoin isn't the revolutionary tool I'm hoping it is. If other Bitcoin layers and applications like the Lightning Network need to be rethought in light of a higher fee environment, better to have to do that now rather than later when Bitcoin is much bigger. Oh, sorry, one more thing. Another thing that can't be denied is that ordinals catalyzed a bunch of building on Bitcoin that hadn't been seen in years. Sure, there were advances in the Lightning Network, but the Bitcoin development space was kind of stagnant and other ecosystems were attracting a lot more developers, whereas now they're coming to Bitcoin and all kinds of things are being built. Different ways of doing tokens on Bitcoin and Lightning, different custody arrangements, maybe even smart contracts in a different, more native way than stacks. And we need this. We have a long way to go and a lot to build, not necessarily changing Bitcoin itself, but building on top of it in order to scale it to the world. So I have to admit, all things considered, I'm vaguely favorable towards ordinals because they're testing the limits of what's possible with Bitcoin and they're giving other people ideas for other things, even if the initial things to emerge may look pretty stupid. Also, maybe I'm just too serious. I mean, I probably lost a bunch of you in that rant. Like, what the hell is this guy even talking about? So maybe people have to come for the speculation, even speculation on JPEGs, and join some community of like-minded degenerates, and then hopefully a few of them stick around for a bigger vision. I don't know. What I do know is this was a fun conversation. We talked about ordinals. We talked about other types of tokens on top of Bitcoin. We talked about all the building we're seeing in the Bitcoin space right now. So although this conversation is a few months old, I think it's still timely, since ordinals are still getting people excited, still making other people mad. In fact, I think you could call this uh, second wave of ordinals right now. So as always, let me know what you think, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm super excited. You know, I, I know we have been planning this for, for a while. You know, we met in Paris. And, yeah. uh, you know, chatted a little bit about ordinals and, you know, what's happening. That's already two months ago or something like that, right? Maybe even more than that. I, 
I kind of lost track of time. And uh, we have come a long way since then, you know, when we look at Ordinals today. So, so it's definitely yeah. super exciting to chat about everything that's going on in the space. Yeah, let's see. Paris was March, I think. Uh, second half of March. So, yeah, over, over two months ago now. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, my God. I, I really lost track of time. You know, I always think like it was yesterday, you know, like the space moves yeah. so fast. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I tweeted about this, but uh, just for people who didn't see, so I I met Jan in at Paris Blockchain Week um, after he pitched to Tim Draper for some kind of startup competition, and I was stoked because uh, I mean it's a blockchain conference, so it's all crypto projects and really not much Bitcoin representation. Um, but then I saw your pitch, and it's like Bitcoin only app. I mean, they even they even asked you like, oh, are you going to expand to other? other cryptos and you're like no we're focusing on bitcoin so i thought that was super cool um but how did how did that even come about that you were in that uh, startup competition yeah you know it's it's actually pretty funny right because uh you know we have been building xverse for the past two years i joined the company about a year ago and uh you know obviously we have been kind of uh along the way we have been always kind of speaking with investors and you know investors came and were interested in what we were doing and uh, basically at the time, you know, I, I think I remember somebody from Paris Blockchain Week, you know, before, you know, this ordinal's craziness even started to happen, you know, they actually approached us, approached me and said like, hey, you guys should actually apply to this competition. I think, I think it could be cool. And, and I was like, why not? You know, I'm just going to give it a try. So, so I actually applied for that competition and uh, we were selected to top 10 and eventually we ended up winning the whole competition. So, so we're kind Amazing. of competing against like 700 plus startups from all over the world. And as you said correctly, there was also this chance that, you know, if you're in top three, if you get selected by all of these VCs to be the top three on the main stage, you actually get a chance to pitch to Tim Draper, who is a, he's a huge Bitcoiner. You know, I, I don't know if he's into ordinals yet. We need to make it happen. We actually have a follow-up meeting with him later this year. I'm going to be in Silicon Valley. We actually uh, are going to go on this on his show because it's kind of like a like a Tim Draper charting type of show. And so we're going to be in the finals there in Silicon Valley in a couple months. But but basically, yeah, that's that's how it happened. And it was just amazing experience because, you know, I, I managed to meet a lot of people, obviously you guys and you know, just just overall, like like chat with people about Bitcoin, what we do, and and it's just always great, you know. Yeah, it was set up like a kind of Shark Tank or Dragon's Den type show, wasn't it? And I think they were even filming it, weren't they? For YouTube. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know when it's gonna come out, uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's a it's a filmed show, and they were saying something like uh, that this show gets like twenty million views across different. Uh, different channels you know so i think it's gonna be pretty exciting i think they're gonna release it later this year though because we still haven't finished it and uh you know we need to go through the finals and and see what is gonna be the actual place we we're gonna we're gonna get to you know from a global perspective because this paris one was just the regional finals that uh we got we got through but but you know there's there's more you know so so yeah we'll see but i think the stars are aligned pretty well because Nobody talks about anything else than ordinals these days, you know? So I think we have a pretty high chance. <laughs> yeah, that, that's wild. So you go to Silicon Valley and uh, you're like in the finals for this competition. I guess there's going to be projects from all over the world there. And then like, do you know what the, the grand prize is? 
so yeah you know to be honest I, i'm not very clear like on all the details but uh basically the main thing there is uh you know we can get a lot of exposure for sure at the same time you know like we're pitching directly to tim draper and and he usually wants to invest in those companies that that make it to the final or you know maybe win or maybe not even win but get it to the final so so basically that's that's kind of like one of those perks and obviously like there's going to be a lot of investors right and a lot of people just just in general kind of watching the show participating there's going to be a lot of judges and and so it's just like networking and you know we're we're in the process of fundraising right now we're actually just about to close our next round and so you know i'm not sure if we're going to be still looking for funding in september but uh you know it's always good to kind of expand the network and and see what's in store for us in the future and if these guys can support us so so yeah it's always great so i guess uh people have got to be dying to know like uh what is xverse i mean especially if you guys are generating so much so much buzz and winning competitions uh tell us uh what exactly it is that uh that you guys are building Definitely. Once again, thanks so much for the opportunity to uh, have me today. And, uh, you know, just real quick, I think we can get into details. And I would also love to answer any questions, specific questions about the product, about the company and about the vision. But but ultimately, you know, we're I like to call it we are building a Bitcoin super wallet, number one Bitcoin super wallet. So basically, when you look at the Bitcoin ecosystem today, uh, or even if you looked at the Bitcoin ecosystem two years ago when you started this company, there wasn't really some sort of like a MetaMask equivalent in Bitcoin, you know. And so that was basically the vision that we started with. Hey, we want to build a super wallet for Bitcoin that uh, not only supports Bitcoin as a store of value. You can buy it. You can, you know, you can lock it up. You don't have to touch it. But at the same time, you actually have the chance, have the option to connect to all of these different applications that are built either on Bitcoin layer one directly, such as ordinals, or even on these other layers, right? So basically Stacks is one of them that we support. We are also integrating with Lightning and potentially others in the future as they come and as they get adoption, because uh, right now the ecosystem is pretty scattered, right? Like if you want to use Lightning, you need a separate wallet. If you want to use Stacks, you need a separate wallet. If you want to use Bitcoin, ordinals you need a separate wallet and so we're basically simplifying the experience we're making it super user friendly and bringing all of these things into one app into one wallet into into the super wallet as i like to call it and uh yeah basically the goal is to onboard as many people as we can into bitcoin you know and uh and allow for all of these great use cases and and great user experience yeah it completely makes sense and there's clearly uh an opening in the market for that um at the same time it is such a big task uh what do you guys focus on first like as the the first few features that you rolled out or you're planning to roll out um yeah where do you start yeah you know definitely i think you know when you look at the history of the company i think you know i think it's important to kind of talk about that because you know again when you look at bitcoin in the past you know let's say two three years ago uh, most of the people would just buy Bitcoin. They would store it in a wallet that, again, like I am not trying to say that those wallets are not good, but from a user perspective, they're not very user friendly because most of the previous wallets, they're just like, you know, built by developers for developers. Many of them kind of behave like a terminal. If you don't really understand code or if you don't understand coin control, if you don't understand these things, you cannot really use them properly. And, you know, let's be real, like most of the users you know, beyond the Bitcoin OGs, 
most of the users don't know how to do this stuff, you know? And so basically we, we really, at that time, we started with a very simple mobile wallet for Bitcoin. So you could get your Bitcoin, you could uh, basically make transactions and do all of these simple things. However, we kind of realized that, uh, you know, there wasn't so much growth in that in that area because people wouldn't really use Bitcoin, you know, beyond just those simple transactions or storing it and stacking sats, etc. And so we actually then saw a lot of demand for these layers. So the first layer that got a lot of uh, attention during the bull run was the stacks layer, right? The, the protocol for smart contracts on Bitcoin, kind of the layer layer two, uh, uh, we can call it like that, uh, obviously kind of like the, the, the actual definition probably slightly different, but but we can call it layer two. And so we actually supported that, you know, because people are building a lot of these dApps and people are looking for a wallet that is sleek, that is on mobile and that can support all of these things. So we got a lot of growth from that ecosystem. And, uh, you know, so we decided to support it, you know, and then obviously we're always kind of looking beyond that. You know, we were never just like, hey, we want to only support this one specific thing. Like for us always, number one thing is always, how can we onboard more people to Bitcoin? And so then, obviously, fast forward, ordinals happened. You know, like we, we are honestly at the beginning of this company, we didn't know it's going to be like this. But, but ordinals happened and uh, we decided like it was basically a no brainer for us. We were like, hey, we're doing this because this is exactly what we want. This is exactly what we're waiting for, because now people want to use the layer one and we can actually enable really great user experience. And so we jumped into it. We we're the first kind of standalone wallet that really supported ordinals uh, because most of the kind of OG Bitcoin wallets, they they didn't support or they didn't even want to support it, even though they technically could support it, like Sparrow, like the company itself, they were kind of against it. And so so we took a stance like, yeah, we want to support this. We want to make it user friendly. And so went all in. And obviously that was another great kind of growth catalyst for our company. You know, and uh, now we're looking at Lightning and looking at other things as well, because again, there's 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 increasing uh, there's, there's increasingly more demand, you know, for these things. And so, so that's kind of like where, where we are headed. And, uh, we're always looking at the space and, and always talking to people and seeing like what people actually want to use. And then we can kind of adjust the roadmap flexibly in a sense. So you guys are just jumping headfirst into all the, the most, uh, divisive topics in the, in, uh, the Bitcoin community. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can you can you can say that. I mean, obviously, uh, there are people that don't like these things in the OG Bitcoin community. We have had this conversation, uh, you know, for many, I would say many years and now many months with ordinals. But, you know, ultimately, again, like, you know, our our mission vision is to bring as many people as we can into Bitcoin. Right. We care about Bitcoin. We have been building on Bitcoin for, you know, even our, our founder, actually, he has been building on Bitcoin for past seven years. So we care about Bitcoin. We want Bitcoin to succeed. And we know that one of the ways that Bitcoin, you know, will succeed is that we onboard more people, right? And, and we encourage transactions and we encourage innovation. And so, so this is kind of like our positioning, you know, like we're building this wallet to support all of these innovations on Bitcoin. And obviously some people will not like it and that's fine. But uh, as you can tell, you know, over the past couple of months, we have onboarded like probably close to 100,000 new users to Bitcoin, you know, through ordinals. And uh, I don't know if any other previous application, you know, has been able to do it in such a short period of time. And so I think, you know, like it or not, like, like we're definitely contributing to the Bitcoin in a very big way. And so that's why, you know, we're, we're really going like straight for this and, and we want to build the best user experience. 
Yeah, on that point, I'm I'm curious, and maybe this is a, a good uh, point to ask in terms of onboarding. Uh, is it is it true that there's a lot of uh, like people who were uh, just, well NFT people basically um, mainly active on Ethereum, maybe Solana. Um, is it true that now they're they're really taking a, a look at Bitcoin and getting into the space, and that's like a real source of onboarding uh, new people? Hundred percent. You know, I think definitely some of the users come from Bitcoin itself. You know, we we see it. You know, and uh, even some of the Bitcoin OGs are now kind of like uh, starting to positively look at ordinals, and you know, you get people even like Michael Saylor and all of these kinds of influencers. Again, you can love them or hate them, depends on you know uh, where you, where you kind of stand. But but you know, you you cannot deny that they're they're influential figures in the Bitcoin community, and they have kind of like started to positively look at bitcoin bitcoin ordinals even some of these like brc20s you know kind of like like how it can be maybe improved and and what are some of the use cases it can be used for and so we definitely see many people now from even the bitcoin community kind of like like starting to thinker and starting to kind of like even use these things and looking into these things but yes at the beginning i would definitely agree with you that we saw an influx of people from other chains you know we for instance were the first wallet that that uh, that integrate with Magic Eden, you know, obviously large marketplace on Solana and other chains. And, uh, you know, we saw just when we launched that integration that, uh, you know, there were basically 10,000 people in the in the next coming days coming into Bitcoin through Xverse and through Magic Eden and basically starting to kind of degen and play around with ordinals and and these like quote unquote Bitcoin NFTs, right? And so uh, so that's definitely, you know, correct what you're saying yeah it's it's an interesting topic because it uh i think most of us actually i mean very few people come to bitcoin with a correct understanding of bitcoin i mean it's almost impossible like when you first find out about something there's there's no chance that all your uh, assumptions or beliefs about it are going to be true and i think almost everyone well for one thing so many people came into crypto uh just like because of the promise of, of getting rich quickly. That's the, that's the number one uh, uh, marketing thing. So people come in, I mean, same for me, like some friend, a guy I didn't even know that well was like, hey, there's this token, it's gonna do an ICO. Uh, I'm buying it, you should uh, look into it and uh, maybe use my referral link to, to buy some. Um, and I didn't know anything about that token. I'd heard about Bitcoin a few times, uh, enough times to think, okay, maybe this is, this is the time that I check it out. So, uh, and that was back when you had to buy Bitcoin to buy anything else. So I, I bought some Bitcoin and then put half of it into this other token, which of course went to zero, but, uh, but, but I got a, a foot in the door. And even after that, like it was several years before I really started to think seriously about it. And then, and then finally started to kind of see a difference between Bitcoin and, and crypto. And then um, more and more like understand the much larger, uh, vision. Um, I didn't mean to talk about myself this much, but I think uh, we we forget or we kind of we come to Bitcoin and then we often pretend that it didn't take us as long as it did to understand it. Um, so I I do think there's a lot of Bitcoiners like looking down on on new people getting into Bitcoin, like through NFTs, for instance. But uh, really, like most of us are are in the same boat, just at different points in our, our understanding of it. Hundred percent, you know. Like, I mean, I mean, this is this is like a go-to market or marketing 
lesson, you know, 101, right? Like, like, like different people have different needs and they care about different stuff. And so obviously, you know, the Bitcoin narrative as let's say the, the, the future currency of the world or the new monetary system, I mean, it's, it's appealing to certain amount of people, but it's also maybe too heavy for most of the people out there. Right. And so, Again, I'm not saying that's wrong. You know, I'm, I'm saying that idea is great, you know, and we should definitely aspire to get there and do as much as we can, you know, to actually support that vision. However, you know, like, like it, it comes in phases, right? And, you know, like you actually, if you say we want to onboard theoretically hundreds of millions, billions of people into this network, into Bitcoin, there is going to be many different use cases we need to accomplish that, right? Because... Not everybody cares about fast payments like at this point because not everybody has that pain point, you know, like obviously there are countries and people that that have that pain point today. And and that's why, you know, some people are building products and services for them. You know, there are people that care about store of value. And so people are building services for those types of people. And obviously some people care about art, care about JPEGs, care about storing these artifacts on the best the most immutable and most secure chain in the world. And so now people are building tools and services for those kinds of people, you know? And, and again, I personally don't see anything wrong with that because it's a market force, you know, customers care about different things and, uh, you know, you kind of need to meet them where they are, you know, and not just like push something on them because you think that's the right way to go, you know? So again, like, you know, we can have this kind of philosophical discussion, you know, forever. And I think we're going to continue to do so, but but I think it's just great, you know, like always having some sort of like arguments and, and discuss these things is great, you know. But uh, I guess we should probably not attack each other just because we maybe don't want to do the same thing at this specific time, you know. Yeah. Um, thinking about those different uh, um, different aspects that draw people to Bitcoin. Um, I On the one hand, I agree with what you say that everyone is is. Uh, interested in a different aspect and uh, and they come to it from a from a different angle um at the same time i i do think it's fair to say that some of those purposes are uh more important than other purposes um like uh if if it is indeed like a like a sovereign a non-state permissionless uh self-sovereign form of money um i would probably put that a little bit higher than like inscribing uh jpegs um although maybe not in all cases but do you so um so we talked about um nft people coming to bitcoin do you see uh them progressing further or do they kind of just stay uh, like as uh nft people like that's what they're interested in not interested in like uh other aspects of bitcoin or like uh what what uh, could potentially be um used for in a in a greater sense no and this is the beauty right and uh and i like it and i like that you're asking this type of question because really like you know you always have to zoom out right and uh kind of look at things from uh from uh from from many different angles not just not just the one that maybe you believe in because you know like definitely like we have seen it like even myself right like like i I purchased some Bitcoin a while ago. I'm not a whale by, by no means, you know, like definitely missed out on that. But like I, I, I do DCA into Bitcoin. I believe in the future of Bitcoin. But, uh, 
but I also got into uh, kind of like like the crypto ecosystem kind of in a way, like what really attracted me was something that I really cared about, like 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 these NFTs and like you can build communities around them and, and you can actually incentivize people in many different ways. Like I was never really into the pump and dump, you know, like I, I actually, that's why I actually kind of disregarded crypto in the in the ICO boom, you know, because I thought that there's just so many scams and I don't want to have anything to do with this. Uh, however, you know, when I saw NFTs and these kinds of innovations happening across the board, I was like really attracted to it because I come from that background because I've been building different businesses and communities in the past. And, and I kind of like even faced that issue that at some point when we, when we reach certain level of scaling those global communities, like startup communities, entrepreneurial communities, we actually reach the ceiling of like, how do we incentivize people to stay and to keep contributing? And I saw that NFTs could be a, could be a really nice tool to do so, you know? And so, so I really started like looking into it and studying it and, you know, started like degening a little bit and, and talking to these people and find these communities that are like just incredible. There's a lot of builders in that space. So, so definitely it's not about just, you know, pump and dump, you know, as many people think it is. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, having said that, you know, like, like this really kind of opens your eyes and, and we have seen it with all of these kinds of like, let's say DGENs from Solana and other chains that came to Bitcoin. Now, they're actually running full nodes, you know, <laughs> and they're actually contributing to the network and, and they're learning about how, how does this actually work? You know, like these UTXOs and, and this coin control, what does it actually mean? This like ordinal, like how does it work? And these sats and, you know, like stuff like that and mempool, right? They start learning about mempool and, and like, how does these transaction work? And, you know, so like, it's very interesting, right? Like you onboard them through things that they care about and, and they, you know, it's their kind of life every day just to degen and play around. But then they learn about the other potential and possibilities and they're kind of forced to learn it because they have to understand it. Otherwise, they cannot really even succeed and be successful in trading these things or, you know, like like building some projects in the space. And and so they definitely stay for the other things as well. You know, so they get on board it through ordinals, but they stay for the fact that it's the most immutable chain most secure and there's so many other possibilities it can be used you know and so so it's it's definitely really really cool we have seen it and we have that conversation with our community basically on daily basis you know so so that's something that really actually makes me excited yeah that's so awesome to hear the fact it's amazing to me that uh, i mean so many of us myself included like not being technical got into bitcoin but uh but uh, not very far into the technical side of it. But then now you have this wave of people coming in and j purely because they had to, they, uh, they got like kind of just jumped in at the deep end of Bitcoin, running their own nodes and going super deep into the protocol just to be able to, uh, to trade um, inscriptions. It's, uh, it's wild. Um, Listen to a few uh, podcasts with uh, Casey Rodermore. Uh, seems like uh, pretty wild guy but uh but also very intentional like in his design i mean he definitely mentioned like like wanting people to be incentivized to run their own nodes and whatnot on on the topic of ordinals specifically though what uh from your perspective what have you seen uh uh like uh, as you mentioned we're so we're in such a different place now than just two months ago so um fill me in as someone who is not at all deep into the ordinal scene what had how has it evolved and uh where are we at right now yeah you know i mean there's so many things i will probably not be able to list all of it but uh let me try to kind of uh from the top of my mind mention a couple of those things so you know obviously we started with uh 
you know, as you mentioned, Casey, basically, you know, who built this protocol with a couple other folks that that contributed to it. Obviously, you know, like we started a couple of months back and, you know, people got really excited about inscribing stuff on Bitcoin blockchain. Basically, you know, these digital artifacts, as we call it, we don't really call it NFTs or whatever. It's digital artifacts, ordinals, inscriptions. Right. And so that's kind of how it started. And, you know, I think, you know, I personally was there when people are inscribing sub 10K kind of collections and stuff. I have a couple of friends that really got into it early. I unfortunately kind of missed that boat because I, I didn't have a full note at home at the time. And, you know, I, I kind of started looking into it because of that. But but actually it started moving very quick. Right. Like 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 as soon as people started talking about it on Twitter spaces, like, hey, sub 10K, sub 100K, like more and more people, even the OG Bitcoiners, they started inscribing like crazy because they felt like, hey, this is this is cool. This is an opportunity. And even if it fails, even if it doesn't go, you know, beyond the 100K, like it's still cool to be there early, right? And so like people really kind of went into it super hard. And, uh, you know, again, like there are probably some people that knew that it's going to be 10 million inscriptions a few months later. But, you know, I personally thought it's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. Definitely want to support it. But I didn't know it's going to be that big that quick, you know? And so uh, so definitely that surprised me in a sense. But but yeah, you know, from from those like early inscriptions, we basically got to the point that big brands, you know, started to notice this. And I see some of my uh, some of my fam from the on-chain monkey community here. And, uh, you know, so you probably know, like, like the on-chain monkey meta good uh, company, uh, they partnered with uh, Asprey Bugatti and they're basically bringing like these huge brands, you know, like uh, into Bitcoin, you know, like basically creating luxury, luxury ordinals in a sense, you know, and uh, and bringing generative art, you know, to Bitcoin. And so that also kind of happened in a span uh, in a span of like, I don't know, a couple months, you know, since the beginning. And uh, I think it was like below that, like one million inscriptions when we started talking about these things, you know, and then obviously we hit the one million inscriptions and, you know, people get even more excited and like you see people noticing and there's more builders coming in and more of these marketplaces from different chains and, you know, inscription services. And it's basically just start popping up. I think I think there's probably more than 100 maybe even 200 different teams right now or individual builders building for ordinals. Like, like it's crazy, you know, like, like, like we didn't really, uh, we didn't really expect it's going to, it's going to blow up in, in such a fashion. Right. And so, so that basically happened around that mark. And what happened next, you know, it's, it's interesting. Right? Uh, many people don't like it again in the, in the Bitcoin community, but, but then these like BRC 20 tokens happen, right. In a sense, like, I mean, Domo actually came up with, with the idea probably even earlier before the 1 million inscriptions. Uh, you know, he kind of like uh, proposed this protocol, BRC20 protocol, that you can inscribe these JSON files and basically like, you know, create non, uh, sorry, fungible tokens on Bitcoin, right? And, and so like at the time, he even called it like, hey, it's going to be worth zero. Like, you know, don't buy these things. It's just an experiment, whatever. But somehow people picked up on it, especially in Asia. I don't know about Japan, but... In China, people went completely crazy on this and they started inscribing, you know, these BRC20 tokens and like there's thousands of different tokens and some of them obviously picked up, some of them didn't. And uh, basically we got to the level that suddenly we're, we're inscribing like literally millions of inscriptions because these inscriptions are relatively cheap because it's just a JSON file. It's basically a text file that you need to inscribe. And so uh, we, we got to the point that we're inscribing millions and millions of inscriptions thanks to uh, this BRC20 kind of hype, right? And, uh, and again, fast forward now, 
you know, now we, we basically, you know, overtook Ethereum, you know, some of the collections on Bitcoin, uh, you know, overtook uh, volume of Ethereum collections. You know, it's kind of crazy again, right, to think that it's going to happen so quickly. I think it's because many of these BRC20 people, they made some money and now they're kind of putting it into these grails, into these collections on Bitcoin. And obviously kind of it's bringing more people in because they see the speculation. They see that it's actually something that matters, that people care about it. And there's more and more liquidity in the in the ecosystem. And so so basically it's kind of like this this uh, this, uh, you know, this vicious circle in a sense, that like, you know, it's, it's positive vicious circle that like just keeps keeps growing, you know. And uh, so that's that. And, uh, you know, now, you know, we are talking about cursed inscriptions. We're talking about new updates of the protocol and. And stuff like that. So, like, I mean, there's so much to talk about. Uh, I will probably stop here because otherwise, I'm gonna have a monologue for like 30 minutes. But, but yeah, this is this is kind of like fast forward to happen in the past like three or four months. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, so many different things you mentioned that I that I could ask questions about. But uh, one thing I I did want to ask. Uh, you mentioned liquidity, and I know that at the beginning it was really hard to yes. trade ordinals. Um, but I heard about people working on exchanges. Uh, where's that at right now? Yeah, you know, I, I, I definitely, I mean, exchanges, like if you're talking about the BRC20 tokens specifically, then there, there are a couple people or a couple builders that are they're doing it, right? Like when you look at, for instance, the Uniset marketplace, they were kind of the first one that, that took the, the, that caught the wave of BRC20 tokens. And so they build the marketplace. And uh, that's kind of where most of the things happen at the very beginning. Then what you was, saw what was the flux. name of that? Unisat. Unisat. Yeah, you can Unisat, check them out. Okay. Yeah. And uh, basically then what happened when people saw, hey, there's actually a lot of people that care about this stuff. Then you have these centralized exchanges. They're, they're getting into it, right? So OKEx, they, I think, just launched a marketplace, centralized, centralized marketplace for BRC20 tokens. And uh, obviously Binance started thinking about like, hey, how do we support this? And many of these like other centralized exchanges, especially in Asia, uh, they started uh, even gate.io. They they started basically implementing BRC20 trading, etc. And now we even have some teams like Alex, which is actually related to Stacks ecosystem as well. They 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 were the first decentralized exchange on Stacks, and now they decided to go into Ordinals and BRC20. So they're actually launching a Dex. I think it's already launched, but but still some improvements uh, have to be made. And so. Uh, so basically, basically, yeah, they're they're gonna be they're gonna be very soon like launching like an upgraded version of the decentralized exchange for BRC twenty tokens. And so you know, again, like you know, we're we're just so early. It's just a couple of months, so it's hard to expect that there's gonna there's gonna be like such a such a great infrastructure like like compared to Ethereum, etc. We definitely need to give it some more time. But there is a lot of eyeballs and there is a lot of money flowing into the ecosystem, even a lot of venture funding coming in. So so I'm very very confident that in the next couple of months, we're going to see something really amazing happening. And, uh, you know, beyond just the BRC20s, obviously, like major marketplaces like like Magic Eden came very early into Ordinals. You have all these kinds of like, you know, other marketplaces uh, such as Gamma. You also have the Ordinals market that started kind of like wrapping Ordinals and selling them on Ethereum to onboard people into Ordinals because obviously at the beginning it was pretty difficult. You know, like people didn't want to download extra wallet for Bitcoin and a lot of them just degening. And, you know, as you mentioned, they're just speculating. So these guys started with Ethereum kind of wrapping it and, and, and selling on OpenSea. But now they, you know, in a, in a spam of like two months, they, they actually did a native Bitcoin 
uh, marketplace as well. And so, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff happening and, and the liquidity is definitely, is definitely improving, you know, like, because as I mentioned, like some of those collections, like Bitcoin frogs, couple, I think a couple days ago, or maybe last week, they took over in daily volume, the board Yacht Club on Ethereum, which is pretty crazy to think about. I mean, we're in a bear market, so obviously those volumes on Ethereum are also much lower than before. But still, you know, like just given the fact that we have only been doing this for the past four months and we have only fraction of, of monthly active users on Bitcoin and these things compared to Ethereum, you know, it's just it's just really crazy to see that this this happened. Yeah, it, it is crazy. Um, with So with inscriptions, I can kind of understand the appeal. I mean, as you mentioned, um, inscribing data on the most immutable blockchain, the, the highest likelihood that it's going to be around forever. Um, I could see that uh, being appealing to people and uh, useful for in certain instances. And the fact that, that there's uh, quite a range of um, formats of data that you can inscribe. Um, although I guess on that point, uh, or uh, I guess one other distinction, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, difference from Ethereum is that whereas on Ethereum and, and other blockchains, NFTs tend to be just, uh, it's it's like it points to a location where the data is stored. But the, but the data is not actually stored on the blockchain, whereas inscriptions, the file itself is inscribed into the, the Bitcoin blockchain. So it's more uh, secure, more reliable in that sense, but then also much more expensive, correct? Yeah, definitely. I mean, depends, right? I think when you look at, you know, when you look at Ethereum, and again, I have some experience uh, because I came from that ecosystem too. So there are some there are some Ethereum collections that are fully on chain. You know, I think even on chain Monkey actually they they're on chain even on Ethereum, right? And uh, they're in, they're they're basically on chain in a very efficient way because it's basically a code, you know, that uh, that generates all of these images. And uh, there's a bunch of other collections that did the same thing. It's actually pretty efficient. It's not that expensive, I believe. And, uh, you know, so uh, so it's possible to do it on other chains. But yes, if you are talking about inscribing, uh, sorry, <laughs> even like like minting JPEGs, like very high, high, high quality JPEGs, even on other chains like Ethereum, it's, it's definitely going to be super expensive. I, I cannot really tell you from the top of my mind how much would it cost, but it's, it's not, it's not trivial amount of money. You know, that's why most of the collections actually are not doing it. You know, they're just doing the pointers because if it was super cheap, they, they would just put it on chain, but it's, it's not the case. And uh, yeah, so going back to uh, Bitcoin, you know, you're absolutely right. So, you know, right now it's quite expensive, right? And it's, it's because, Many people want to do it. And basically the chain is congested in a sense. So there's a lot of transactions spending every single day or maybe not so much today. But like, you know, when you look back like two weeks ago when when the BRC20 hype was like like at peak, you know, it was really expensive to even send transactions and you would have to wait hours and hours and hours to get confirmation. And so at the time, if you wanted to inscribe a JPEG or if you wanted to inscribe a file that is even like 100 kilobytes or 200 kilobytes, you would pay probably... 100 bucks, 200 bucks, maybe 300 bucks, maybe more, you know, for that specific thing. And so, yes, it's expensive. I think it always depends on, you know, like what are the current fees? What is the current congestion of the Bitcoin chain? Because at the beginning, when we started with Ordinals, when there wasn't many transactions happening on Bitcoin in general, because those transactions were very cheap, like you, you would be paying fractions of dollar to send Bitcoin. Now you're paying much more. At the time, you know, even inscribing a JPEG, 
you know, wouldn't cost you too much. You know, would you cost maybe maybe would cost you like twenty dollars, you know, or something like that. And so it's definitely affordable for I guess most of the degens, <laughs> most of the people that really care about this stuff. And uh, also like some some collections really kind of got creative in a sense that that they didn't inscribe it themselves. You know, they said like, hey, we're doing this collection, and you can mint it. And so uh, you as a, as, a, as a collector or as the person that wants to buy that specific piece, you would pay for the cost yourself, you know? And so those are the things that kind of fix the problem of like this being too expensive uh, at the beginning. However, yes, you know, you're right. Right now it's, it's basically crazy. You know, doing high quality inscriptions is, is, is really, really expensive. That also makes it like, like in a sense more luxurious. And so uh, we'll see, you know, I, I'm sure that there's going to be a lot more demand. People will get creative also, like how they can do generative art on Bitcoin to save space and to save money. But uh, again, we're, we're still very early. So we need to see, give it some time. Is it also possible to do pointers on uh, with inscriptions as well? Yeah, you can do so. Actually, there, there is a, I think it just came out a couple of days ago and I haven't really looked into it yet. So I, I'm probably not the best person to talk about it just yet because we have been so busy this past week. But uh, but there is a company that uh, proposed this, like basically, like like I I think it's BRC seven twenty one or something like that. I don't even remember the number. But basically, yes, they're they're saying like we are going to do these pointers, you know. So so this is going to be the way we're going to save space. Again, there is a conversation about this. Some people like it because they're like, hey, I can now do ten thousand pieces collection again. But ultimately, many people kind of like it kind of defeats the purpose, right? <laughs> because then it's not on chain. So, uh, so what's what's the difference? Like, why why wouldn't use Ethereum, for instance, where you have many more kind of uh, uh, functionalities, or you can you can do much more creative stuff because of the smart contracts, etc. So we'll see how it plays out. But yes, you can you can obviously do that. It's uh, it's something that people have been thinking about for a while, and now people actually launching these new protocols in a sense. Right. So, so as I mentioned, I can see the 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 point of inscriptions, but uh, then when we come to BRC twenties, I mean, for one thing, um, it it has no relation to ERC twenty, right? The name is just a parody. It's not it's not smart contracts on Bitcoin. It's not set up in the same way as as tokens on Ethereum, right? So you're talking about the BRC20s, right? Obviously, yeah, yeah. it's very different. You know, it's very different. So, you know, right now, the BRC20s, uh, they're basically just inscriptions, right? And, and that also makes it like many people say, and, you know, I even personally, to some extent, think that it's not the most efficient way, right? Obviously, because for you to, uh, to, uh, to deploy BRC20, you need to make an inscription. Once you deploy, if you want to transfer it, you need to make a inscription, you know, and Let's say like you have you have 1,000 of these tokens and you want to transfer them one by one, you would have to create 1,000 inscriptions to do so, right? And so, so it's 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 still pretty troublesome, you know. Like uh, again, some people love the simplicity of the fact that it's just an inscription and it works. Uh, some people don't like it because it's highly dependent on these indexers that are not on chain. And so, if something goes wrong with the indexers, then basically people can get rocked or people don't even know what their balance is and who owns what. And so there's a lot of these issues right now that are being talked about. But uh, but yeah, it definitely works very differently compared to Ethereum as far as I understand it, because obviously on Ethereum, it's, it's, it's on chain, right? Like all these transactions and everything. For BRC20s, only the inscription itself is on chain. 
but the indexer and like the balances and stuff, it's uh, it's basically not on chain. So so there 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 are some problems with it potentially. Yeah, yeah. My my impression was, I mean, like you said, even the creator said uh, that there's probably no value to it. It was just an experiment. But it makes me wonder then, because you mentioned some of these big exchanges are putting certain BRC twenty tokens on the exchange. But then, from a technical standpoint, what is actually happening there? Is it just like, I mean, is it just numbers on a screen with no relation to the Bitcoin blockchain or? How does that even yeah, work? you know, it's 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 centralized exchanges, right? And so what what they're basically doing, they uh, let's say buy uh, some of these BRC twenties, or they buy some supply, or they lock some supply from from let's say the people that own it, and uh, then they just like uh, allow you to trade it off chain, right? And so that's why those transactions are super fast, it's super cheap, and uh, then if you want to withdraw it and put it in your Xsource wallet, again, you you have to do the withdrawal. Right. And so, uh, you know, that's uh, again, like, you know, it's uh, it's early, you know, people people kind of were asking for this because, you know, obviously trading it uh, through just like making these inscriptions and stuff all the time. It's not very efficient. It also is very costly. So if if the fees on Bitcoin chain are high and let's say you just want to sell a few of these tokens and if the price of the token is is higher than what you pay in the fees, then obviously it doesn't make any sense, right? Like nobody would do that. And so that's why people kind of like are happy for these centralized exchanges to get in because they can basically trade it. They can they can do all these different things and uh, they don't have to care about the fees, you know, on-chain fees, you know? And so, so yeah, and again, it serves a certain group of people. And, uh, you know, I think it's interesting to kind of watch this space in general. You know, again, no financial advice. I wouldn't, wouldn't advise anybody to like go into these things and buy a lot of them because, you know, it's, it started around this like meme coin hype on Ethereum, right? And we know that most meme coins goes to zero, you know, go to zero. So, you know, definitely be very careful. Uh, however, it's interesting because people are experimenting with this new technology, with this new protocol, with inscriptions. And there is actually more people now working on other protocols. So, so maybe BRC20 is just the start. And we actually going to come up with much more efficient way to bring fungible tokens to Bitcoin. I mean, you probably know it. You guys have definitely talked about Lightning before on the show. There are people that are, you know, working very hard to use Lightning to bring fungible tokens to Bitcoin in a much, much better way. And so, again, we just have to see and uh, the market will decide what is actually going to be the thing that we that we that we're going to stick with if 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 we're going to stick with it at all. Yeah. What was it? Uh, the project uh, was formerly called Taro. Uh, now I think they had to change their name to Taproot Asset something, um, but uh, yeah, Lightning Labs working to put fungible tokens on uh, on the Lightning Network. I think. Yeah, exactly. I uh, again, I I haven't had a chance to really go deep into uh, you know where they are if it's going to be launched anytime soon. But this is exactly the conversation that is happening right now. That like, hey, BRC twenties even though maybe they're not the most efficient, whatever the claim is, they showed that people want this, that market wants fungible tokens on Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, obviously this is a great opportunity for these people, even in Lightning Labs that are building on these, that are building these things because, because now they know that, that there is a product market fit. And if they, can, if they can build something better, something easy to use, maybe even easier to use than inscriptions, then I think they could theoretically win 
and make it even 10 times bigger, right? So again, we'll see. You know, I, I, I again, like if you if you go to like just just how market how market works, right? Like like things never start from optimal. You know, like usually you build an MVP. It's not perfect. It sucks actually most of the time. And you look at most of the services that we use today. You know, they didn't start like polished products. They start very, you know, in a very bad looking product in a sense or MVP stage. And as they kind of got traction, they improved, you know, and I think it's going to happen with uh, with BRC20s or with this idea of fungible tokens on Bitcoin as well. You know, now we have proven that there is a demand. And if we can build or if somebody can build something better uh, that people will love, then, uh, you know, it's going to take over. That's just how it is. Yeah, this taps into one of my big questions uh concerning bitcoin um i'm i'm so curious because there's kind of i don't know if it's fair to call it two camps but at least in my mind i see like two uh two very likely might be too strong but like two ways that bitcoin could go i think i tend to think at the very least it's going to be a major uh form of money in the future like like at minimum, it replaces gold. That's, I mean, maybe that's, maybe I'm a little degen to to call that the minimum, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe gold continues to play a role. It probably does for some people, but uh, I feel like for the vast majority, like at the minimum, um, Bitcoin replaces gold in the in the current monetary system. But then you have the group that says, no, everything, like everything that's happening in crypto and maybe everything that's happening in TradFi is going to be built on top of Bitcoin. And on the one hand, that that sounds like a crazy claim, but uh, I mean, who knows? So when I see things like this, it does it does kind of speak to that uh, potential. But then at the same time, like talking about BRC twenty tokens, at least the way they're set up right now, it kind of seems like obviously in terms of bringing experimentation back to Bitcoin, um, it is a step towards that. But do you think? in terms of the the exact way that it's done, do you think that's a step towards building stuff on Bitcoin? Or do you think, like, uh, ultimately, the technicalities of it are going to look very different? I think it's both, right? I think the technicalities of what it takes to build on Bitcoin and other chains, it's different, right? And uh, that's how it should be, right? Because we need some sort of diversity in uh, different tools and different blockchains because otherwise everything is the same and what's the point, right? So, you know, there are different use cases for Bitcoin. There are different use cases for Ethereum. There are going to be different use cases for Solana or other chains, you know, whatever is going to be the next big chain that is going to take over, we'll see in the next bull run, right? And uh, so uh, so I think, I think it's definitely, uh, it's different in terms of tech and development and the innovation that can happen. I think, you know, and again, you know, I'm not an OG Bitcoiner. I haven't been in this ecosystem building for 10, uh, 15 years or, you know, whatever, you know, like when, when the real OGs actually started very early on. But, uh, but basically, you know, what I think is important is uh, when I'm just, just looking at it from a very practical point of view here. For Bitcoin, you know, again, obviously we're talking like 100 years, 100 plus years from now, right? For Bitcoin to be digital gold like it has to survive right <laughs> and uh if we don't have fees if we don't have transactions happening on bitcoin if we don't have people using bitcoin miners will not be incentivized to mine blocks and at some point when miners will not be able to get the coin rewards that they're getting today to subsidize 
for the lack of transaction fees, then ultimately the, the chain could collapse, right? Like that's, that's just, again, how it works. And so uh, we need to solve this problem. Everybody knows it. Obviously, it's not a thing for tomorrow. It's not a thing for 10 years. It's a thing that is far ahead in the future. But I think it's great that, that we're actually seeing these different uh, use cases and innovation happening now because we can test different ideas. And obviously things that, that are working today or that people want to do today will be different from what they're going to be doing 20 years from now, but some of them are going to stick around. And uh, it's just great, again, to have diversity and have different builders building because that's the only way how Bitcoin can become anything else that all of these people dream it to become, right? Like it cannot be digital call. It cannot be a currency. It cannot be the next financial system of the world if ultimately at some point it's uh, it's it's not going to have enough fees to support the miners and to incentivize people to come in and, and mine blocks, right? And so, again, you know, you could claim like, yeah, it's far away. And obviously, if we if it's a currency of the world or if it's if it's a threat five system of the world, we're going to have fees as well, etc. But these things are just kind of like, like, like they're not practical because they're not happening today. What's happening today is inscriptions. And we see that inscriptions were able to generate a lot of money for the miners. And that's why miners love it. And we see more miners coming in and making the network more sustainable, more secure and more, more, more diverse in a sense. So I think, I think it's just important to kind of always zoom out and look at these things that it's not like one against each other, but they actually work very closely together to support the ultimate goal. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, we, we needed fees to, uh, to be high enough to, to uh, properly incentivize miners um, to keep functioning and guarantee the security of the network. Um, another hurdle it seems like we have to adoption is just liquidity. Like the market cap of Bitcoin is uh, too small for um, a lot of TradFi players, at least. And I mean, there are a lot of people who don't care about this, but uh, but it does affect a lot of things. And um, and certainly in terms of like mainstream acceptance, uh, integration into society, a big part of that is is how involved the traditional financial system is with it. Um, but it, it strikes me that uh, we've seen all this activity and Bitcoin did, uh, in terms of the price, it did pump um, a little bit, but then it uh, it hasn't really been um, doing that much lately. Um, so I'm just curious about the link between the activity um, in terms of inscriptions or BRC20s and the price, because in other ecosystems, it seems like there's more of a direct link where, where the more activity is, the more transactions there are, um, the more that pushes the price up. I mean... In those cases, a lot of it is speculation too. But I'm wondering: is there a fundamental link, or is it uh, is it is the activity completely divorced from the price of Bitcoin? You know, another great point, Brad. I think 100 percent right. But what you need to look at if you are comparing these two things, because you can really apple to apple, it's uh, you know obviously Bitcoin doesn't move with uh, liquidity on ordinals so much because we only have 100,000, let's say, unique users that are playing around with this. And, uh, you know, the the market cap of Bitcoin is like twice as big as Ethereum, right? And so uh, 
you know, most of the Bitcoin is just kind of lying around and uh, even 100,000 DGENs cannot probably influence the price too much because they're not going to be able to buy thousands and thousands and thousands of Bitcoins, right? And so, uh, you know, that's something that you need to kind of keep in mind when you look at Ethereum and other chains. It's a very different story, right? Because when we... Uh, Obviously, the numbers are different right now because we're not in a bull market. But when you look at MetaMask and Ethereum, you know, they had 30 million monthly active users during the bull market. And uh, obviously, you know, like the market cap of the chain is 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 half of Bitcoin. And uh, people are using all these applications. You know, they're buying NFTs. They're doing DeFi, etc. You know, there's a lot of liquidity. People are buying and selling, etc. And so obviously, the price actually moves much more with these trends, you know, like, I mean, you know, basically like, like NFTs pumped Ethereum so hard, right? Like that was one of those kind of killer use cases that onboarded so many people and basically allowed Ethereum to, to grow so much. And so it's just because it is many more users that are actively transacting and on Bitcoin, it's not the case just yet. And so that's basically what we need to kind of change, or we need to see that adoption to X or maybe 20 X from today. And then I think we're going to see some more influence on the price of Bitcoin itself. You know, if there's millions of people trading ordinals, making money, you know, and obviously not everybody's going to make money. But like if you can if you can look at the fact that like some of these some of these collectors, you know, they're able to multiply their Bitcoins. And, you know, like if it's going to if it's going to get to the point that uh, there's a lot more people like this, they will be incentivized to use the Bitcoin even further, do different things, you know, reinvest the Bitcoin, build different protocols. Maybe we are going to see DeFi on Bitcoin as well, which many people talk about that it would be amazing to have native DeFi on Bitcoin. And so uh, if, if that's going to happen, we're, we're definitely going to see much more influence, you know, from from this activity on the price, you know. So that's kind of like my perspective, obviously, you know, again, I'm probably not covering all the all the use cases here again, but but just kind of like using my, my practical, practical, practical lens here. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. The ratio of of uh, people using this versus the, the total market cap of Bitcoin is is pretty different than any other ecosystem. Um, yeah, and I, I kind of hate to even bring up price, but I was just curious about uh, the um, like whether there's a, a fundamental link there or if it's if it's totally separate. So yeah, that'll be an interesting thing to watch. Um, I uh, oh, we're coming. Actually, this hour has gone by so quickly. How are you doing on time? Are you okay to stick around for a little while longer? Yeah, I can do probably like five or six more minutes because I actually need to jump into something else a little bit later. But uh, yeah, let's 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 wrap it up. It, it has been it has been amazing. You know, I, I think we can do another another episode at some point, you know, if if, if people like this kind of topic. And uh, yeah, it has been it has been great so far. Right. If you have anything else, let's let's dive into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. I can't let you go without talking about uh, Bitcoin Miami because I would have loved to have been there. Couldn't couldn't make it but uh how was it just tell me everything man i i mean i loved it i mean you know uh to be honest the the conference itself uh i i actually didn't go in the previous years so i this was my first bitcoin bitcoin uh bitcoin conference so i couldn't really compare but most of the people said it was kind of you know 50 percent less people obviously we're in a bear market so it's understandable uh that there's going to be less people and so so the conference itself wasn't really packed or you know, like, like, you know, like a lot of, a lot of people and like, you know, tens of thousands of people, but, you know, I really enjoyed the fact that, uh, there was so many of these people, uh, from all over the world, you know, obviously, you know, 
we focused on ordinals. So like, like I, I hung out with a lot of ordinals people and, uh, just, these guys are just so amazing, you know, like just so welcoming. Everybody's so positive, you know, they want to learn new things. They want to share ideas. They want to build together. And so that was really the highlight of the whole conference of the whole week. I basically spent like five days in Miami and, uh, overall it was just, it was just amazing experience. I would, I would definitely recommend it to people next time or if uh, there's going to be some conferences in Asia, you know, that are related to ordinals and Bitcoin, definitely go because uh, I think it's just, uh, it's just a great bunch of people, you know, that are, that are involved in the space. Were you able to take in the infamous uh, session with Eric Wall, Udi, and uh, let's see, the two others, I forget their names, but kind of the yeah, others. Yeah, definitely. I was there. I mean, I mean, most of the people, most of the people that are into Ordinals and were in Miami, basically, I would say basically every single one of them was there. And, uh, you know, it was it was great. Uh, you know, it was it was entertaining at the same time. You know, like it's it's great to kind of like have that discussion on the main stage of this conference, because, again, you know, like what was really kind of surprising to me. I mean, the CEO of Bitcoin magazine, he talked about the fact that they're going to make Ordinals front and center of this conference because it's basically the most exciting thing right now that is happening on Bitcoin. However, I didn't really know that it's it's really going to be like that and to the level it was. Like like everybody talked about ordinals. You know, obviously there was some critique of ordinals, but everybody talked about it. You know, Michael Saylor, you know, he, he even took meetings with like on-chain monkey guys to talk about ordinals. You know, like he, like he, he talked for hours about ordinals and even BRC20s and, and people on the main stage talked about ordinals. And, and when they were closing the conference, like the main... Uh, the CEO of Bitcoin Magazine had the the Ordinals hat, basically kind of like show everybody that like uh, he he stands on the on the side of the table that supports uh, supports Ordinals, etc. So you know it was definitely very exciting and interesting to see how Ordinals took over the whole Bitcoin Miami, basically. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, considering for one thing that they only really popped up a few months ago, and I'm sure they were planning the conference from way before that. The fact that they uh, chose to incorporate that i mean it can't have been easy and and then also just the fact that it's such a divisive topic and uh they got a lot of criticism for that um and uh i mean there's a lot of valid different valid opinions on on the issue but uh, i think i mean they're right to focus on the topics and and not privilege uh one particular view i i i think i mean i wasn't there and it's hard to say but uh yeah, wild, um, man. That's uh, that's one hour already, just uh, just like it's that. crazy. It's crazy. I first of all, like again, uh, really appreciate you having me on, Brad. Uh, great to finally catch up after after months we met in in Paris. You know, I yeah. I would love to go to Japan this year. You know, I I hope we can still make it happen for your conference, guys. I I still have it on the top of my mind that uh, I need to get back to you guys with some of those ideas that we had, <laughs> and. Uh, I want to make it to Japan this year because I, I haven't been able to go to Japan for the past like four years because of COVID and all the restrictions. Now we can finally travel easily again. And uh, I want to go to Japan. So uh, I hope yeah. we, can, we can make something happen and in person maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Jan, where do you want to send listeners to uh, find out more about what you've talked about? Yeah, you know, guys, like, I mean, in general, you know, I think the best resource, you know, we host the Ordinal Show every week twice i think it's it's really comprehensive resource for anybody who wants to learn about ordinals about bitcoin the latest developments you know like uh it's it's like an open platform people can come in and and even sometimes pitch their ideas etc so i would definitely recommend that 
And uh, beyond that, you know, just uh, follow me, follow Xverse if you're interested in these things. If you have any questions when it comes to Xverse, when it comes to the wallet, when if you are new to Ordinals and you don't know anything about it and you're just downloading the wallet and you just want to figure out the first step, let me know, DM me. Happy to guide you, happy to give you some recommendations, you know, where to start, where to go. And uh, yeah, you know, I think that's it. And uh, in general, just, uh, just uh, you know, do some great stuff, you know, and, uh, and start tinkering with this stuff and uh, learning about it to see if maybe you could even build something in the space yourself. You know, I think it's a great opportunity. Jan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. We did make it happen, in fact. Jan spoke at our conference in July. I moderated it, the lone Bitcoin panel at WebEx. Well, like I said at the start, ordinals are still kicking. In fact, it feels like it kind of died down and now it's back with a vengeance. We have a new mining pool that's censoring inscriptions. It's designed by a well-known Bitcoin core developer who hates ordinals. And it's backed by Jack Dorsey, so we'll see who wins, the people against inscriptions or the people against censorship. But I'm interested in the larger question of whether Bitcoin is just money, really good money, money that protects us and improves the way we govern ourselves, or if it's more than that. I think Jan's absolutely right that we can't conceive of everything Bitcoin is, even those who've been in Bitcoin the longest. How far does programmability go? Is it just for facilitating different types of Bitcoin transactions and storage? Or could we see something like a financial platform emerge? If tokens could be issued in a reliable way, could we see currencies and even stocks and bonds and other assets tokenized on Bitcoin? It'd be crazy if all of this were possible on something that was originally introduced as an electronic peer-to-peer -peer cash system. But if it were possible without impinging on its fundamental moneyness, there would be a certain kind of beauty to that. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Hoping to have these conversations in the future, so follow the show if you don't want to miss an episode. And if you'd like to help me out, a rating or a review or sharing this episode with a friend would really go a long way. In any case, let me know what you thought. Thank you so much for listening, and talk to you again soon. GM Radio.